Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm to be with you. Week's gone by kind of quickly. In fact, my kids, uh, my daughter said this morning, she was getting ready for school and she goes, I feel like Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday go by so slow, but then you look up and it's Thursday and the week's almost over and you go, what happened to the week? It's a pretty pretty interesting observation from an eight-year-old that kind of makes sense. She's a smart kid. She is a smart kid. That voice is Brian. Hey, Dad. Say hi, Brian Scott. What's up? Brian Scott Rippey back from Jackson last night where he was at the Mississippi Coliseum for Ole Miss and southeastern Louisiana. Say hello, Will East. Hello, Will East. Uh, There's always one in the group. Will pressing the buttons and spinning records and doing everything else in the studio in Jackson. Sports Talk brought to you every day by, say it, boys. Mississippi Land Bank. There you go. Online, mslandbank.com, where they know the lay of the land. You've heard me say this before. If you're thinking about buying a piece of property, building a dream home, uh, if you're a farmer with equipment needs, all of those things and many, many more things, Mississippi Land Bank can help. Anything related to land financing, uh, well, that's what they do. 100 years of financing land for folks in North Mississippi. They service the northern 32 counties in the state of Mississippi. You can find a branch location near you. You can also grab a phone number when you go to that website, mslandbank.com, where they know the lay of the land. Anything fun going on? You ate well in, in Oxford earlier today? I did. I, I ate Gus's Fried Chicken, which is my go-to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good spot, man. I, I can't get enough of it. If I, you know, I would t- make the whole. If I, if I lived here, I'd weigh. But I, I already weigh that, so there's no point in making that joke. <laughs> uh, Rippy, what's your go-to spot for lunch? Is in, this like free advertising 101 here? It, it sort, it sort of is, but you know, probably Ajax, but it's also kind of heavy, so it depends on the. It day. is a little. I heavy. like Ajax, so that's a good place to eat. Yeah, absolutely is. I'm a uh, like a rice and spice guy. That's where you were today. Uh, I, I eat what? Thai food about twice a week. That's yeah. usually dinner, though. All right, yep. next, next time we come to Oxford, we'll, we'll go to that place. I like Thai food, too. Will, in, in the name of equal opportunity, do you have a go-to lunch spot, or is it bring your own lunch and never leave the office? That's Borky. Uh, no, I, I, I'm i boring. I, I eat at Chick-fil-A, and uh, when Brian Haydad is in town, uh, we usually go to whatever place has the most weird food. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of times he's kind of scared me uh, with what he can eat. <laughs> is it more of a what won't you eat thing? No, no, no. We, we went to that Greek restaurant with the Yaya's down there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was me and Will and JT. And JT and I, we got this, it said sampler platter. So I was like, all right, I mean, a sample. No, it's not a sample. It's the full, it's the full animal. <laughs> they just brought out this tray of a meat. Goat? Basically, it felt, a lamb. It, it was a lot of meat. 
Well, there's more go. than I could have eaten. Yeah, fair enough. Three rippies couldn't have finished it. You, uh, <laughs> I don't doubt that. <laughs> you can uh, you can connect with us on the Seaspire text line. That number is 601-879-4395. This holiday season, Seaspire is giving away a free Samsung Galaxy S9 when you add a new line and trade in a qualifying device. Give the best gift ever with Galaxy S9's beautiful 12-megapixel dual aperture camera. Seaspire, customer-inspired. Again, that number, 601-879-4395 for you to text the show. All right, so Rippy Ole Miss gets a win last night over southeastern Louisiana. And what were your takeaways? Um, I guess, first off, what an establishment that place is. Um, it was something. The Mississippi Coliseum seats yeah. about 6,500, <laughs> um, crowd of 3,500 and change last night? It was a decent crowd, though, I thought. It was, it was about on par, maybe a little above my expectation. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of a slog offensively for Ole Miss, but Devontae Shuler paced him with 19 points. And then kind of for the second or third time this year, they've, their defense has kind of allowed them to create separation because the game never really felt like it was in the balance at, at any point. And I think that's a positive sign for them going into league play because it's certainly a step up from last year because I don't think there were very many games last year where their defense kind of helped them win games. So, so defensively, what did you see or what – are you seeing on a semi-consistent basis for Ole Miss? Last night in a vacuum was hard to tell just because Ole Miss was so much longer and so much more athletic than southeastern Louisiana was. But just generally they play with a lot more energy on that end. You know, Kermit plays the 1-3-1 zone and they switched up defenses a lot more. And I think he's just kind of got them more invested and more bought in at that end of the floor. I think I read last night somewhere that uh, Ole Miss is 8-1 and one against the spread this year. I'll take your word for it. I did not know that, but yeah, just a, maybe a trend worth watching if uh, yeah you're into that kind of thing. You're making a trip over to the uh, sports book and timeout lounge at the Golden Moon. I these, just what, these are the kind of information you need. Cincinnati's yeah. the one outlier, I would assume, the one loss. Yeah, I would guess so. I don't know what the line was on that game, but my assumption is Cincinnati covered it. They lost by what, I think 14. 14-15. Yeah, sure, sure. They, they probably want a 14-15 point yeah. underdog, yeah. Cincinnati, the opponent that Mississippi State will face on Saturday in Starkville at Humphrey Coliseum. 69-47 was the final last night. Ole Miss got, uh, as Rippy said, 19 points out of Devontae Shuler. 7 of 10 shooting, 3 of 4 from behind the arc. Ole Miss did not have its best game from the free throw line. They were 7 of 12, only 58%, for a team that has been the number one free throw shooting team in the SEC to this point of the year. Yeah, they were not very good in that sense last night. Again, that was that's probably kind of what fed into the sloppy feel of the game. You know, they weren't sharp offensively. They had some turnovers and some missed free throws, but they'd been pretty good at the line to that point this year. Bruce Stevens started. He went for six points and seven rebounds. I'm always a little perplexed when I look at a guy like Dominic Olenicek, who is about nine feet tall and has only one rebound in the game. He played 17 minutes, had nine points uh, and that one rebound, so he was fairly efficient. From a scoring standpoint, four or five shooting, how does a guy like that only get one rebound in a game? It's a good question, but he did some good things. He was, you know, they didn't really have an answer for him in the post, and they got it to him a couple times early. But yeah, you probably like to see more than one rebound. But a lot of guards grabbed some rebounds last night. As long as you're getting rebounds, it doesn't really matter who's getting them, in my opinion. Yeah, and what Ole Miss finished plus sixteen yeah, in, in rebounding in the uh, is, in the game last night. When you kind of look at the numbers on the whole 
for this season for Ole Miss. Seven and two overall. Breeran Tyree is leading the team in scoring at sixteen and a half points a game. Terrence Davis is averaging fifteen a game. Devontae Schuler in double figures as well at uh, eleven points per game. So, and and we'll get into this a little bit more later on this afternoon. But where does this team excel, and where do you see the biggest efficiency? It excels that when they haven't always had them all on pace at the same time this year. But I mean, between Bree and Tyree and Terrence Davis and Schuler, and you could throw Henson in there too. When when those three or four guards are on, and I guess you can't really call Henson a guard because he kind of plays you know four different positions at times. But um, you know, they're they're three pretty good SEC guards, and 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 they're older guards too. And and when referring to Schuler and Davis and Tyree, I think where they're going to need to improve is they're going to need to be better in the post defensively, and they're also going to have to find a way to develop more of a bench. Um, I think Luis Rodriguez and Naylor are probably the two guys that Kermit is looking for. I actually asked him about that last night, and those are kind of the two guys he needs to step up to where they can kind of get a little deeper. But I would say those that's where they kind of their main concern would be heading into conference play. So we'll spend some more time on Ole Miss basketball coming up later this afternoon. We'll also take a look at uh, Mississippi State's game against Cincinnati. We'll do that a little more in depth. Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour today, we are going to chat with uh, Russ Mitchell from College Football News. We uh, had a conversation with him last week that he said we didn't have enough time to answer because my question to him as we were wrapping up last week, and I said, hey, you got 30 seconds. Did the playoff committee get it right with Georgia not being in? He goes, I can't answer that in 30 seconds. So we'll circle back to that. We'll also talk about his Heisman Trophy uh, votes and uh, what he saw there. You've got Thursday night football coming up tonight on Fox and the NFL Network, a 7:20 kickoff in Kansas City. The 10-3 and Chargers, the 11-2 and Chiefs, Phillip Rivers has thrown for 3,600 yards, 29 touchdowns, and six picks on the year. But this this young guy for Kansas City might have a a future playing quarterback. Patrick Mahomes has thrown for 4,300 yards, 43 touchdowns. He's been picked off 11 times this season. Yeah, he's good. That's not bad. Yeah. The whole no look pass. The no look passing is is that's a bad idea in the NFL. It is, but if you watch the film of it, it is absolutely unbelievable. If you like, they had. I saw a. I forget who tweeted it, but they had like a a, a, a different camera view of it. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not just luck. He he knows where he's going with that ball, and and to get it there with in that fashion, unbelievable. The matchup predictor from the Football Power Index at ESPN gives Kansas City a sixty three percent chance to win at home tonight. We'll see. L A could win the division if they win tonight because uh, uh, Seattle, or excuse me, Kansas City has to go to Seattle next week. KC is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in the game. Not surprising. No. Especially at home. Uh, that is a tough place to play. I wonder what the weather is going to be in Kansas City tonight. We'll check that out. Then uh, 44 degrees at Arrowhead Stadium tonight, where I don't know if you've heard this or not, but it's kind of loud when they play football there. Hey, coming up next, we're going to check in on the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Game with Steve Wiltfong from the uh, 24-7 Sports Network. He's the director of recruiting there. He'll join us on the Farm Bureau phone line. That's when we continue right here in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Russ Mitchell coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. We'll talk with him. College football stuff. We'll also visit with Lee Sterling as we look at uh, what Vegas has to say about some games coming up in the NFL this weekend. But right now, on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. It's Steve Wilfong. He's the director of recruiting at 24-7 Sports. He is in Mobile this weekend for the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Game. Steve, appreciate a few minutes of your time. How are you? I'm great. I'm standing on the field right now watching Team Mississippi practice. It's their third workout since arriving here in Montgomery. Steve, I'm kind of curious. We all know about college all-star games, whether it's the you know the the North, or excuse me, the the East-West Shrine Game or the Senior Bowl, and certainly those are of value to NFL teams because they're still in the evaluation mode and they're trying to get ready for the the draft. What do you see as the biggest purpose for these all-star games that pit one state against the other at, at kind of this point in the game in the recruiting cycle? Well, I think it's just a terrific accolade to have on your high school career. And, yes, there are a lot of future SEC players on the field or Division One players on the field, but there's also a nice group of uh, kids that I had never heard of when I flew down here from Indianapolis, you know, that are just good players in their state that are had terrific high school careers that are capping it as an all-star and a patch for the letter jacket or or what have you. And I don't know if this was a big rivalry back in the day, Alabama versus Mississippi, but now I think these young men just, I think for the kids, they love coming down here. It's an honor, uh, but they get to hang out with each other and continue to form relationships with, with guys that they've seen on recruiting visits. And then obviously some have played against each other and, some will go on to play together on the next level. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at kind of over the course of the last decade or two decades, Alabama until recent years had really dominated this series, not just in final score, but like in margin of victory. It, it's turned into a much closer series, and I feel like maybe there's been a little bit more emphasis by Mississippi that's been placed on this game in, in recent years. Do, do you see that? You know, I'm not sure. I, I just come down for practice. I don't follow the game too closely. I like to come down and get a look at the, what these prospects look like in person, see how they move, see how they practice. Uh, Horn Lake quarterback Ray Darius Jones just got himself an interception uh, right in front of me here. Uh, played quarterback at Horn Lake, led them to their first ever state championship. But getting a chance right. to see him play in the secondary, uh, where that's where he's going to play on the next level. I've watched him go through. Uh, a couple practices now, and, and he just got himself an interception in, in man coverage. Uh, so seeing stuff like that, just uh, seeing these guys, it's more of an evaluation for me, but for them it's just uh, having a good time. Steve, this is Brian Haydad. We've been talking about this 2019 class here in Mississippi uh, for a couple of years now. Now that you've got a chance to, to get on the field and see those guys up close, does it match up with what you've been hearing about how much talent there is in this state this year? I've seen a lot of those guys at Nike camps in the spring, the opening finals in the summer, but it's a, it's a really good group, especially on the defensive line. Um, and then obviously you have Nicobe Dean at linebacker, the state Gatorade player of the year for Mississippi State champion, two-way impact guy. I think what, what you're most impressed with with this group from Mississippi is is just how well-rounded these, these guys are, too. These are, Nicobe Dean could have went to Stanford. You know, and, and and so this is a it's just a group that is academic, academic, high academic. Nathan Pickering yesterday is talking about majoring in engineering. 
you know, the Mississippi State commit that's considering Alabama and some others. So I think I think it's exciting to see how, how uh, well-rounded this group from Mississippi is, not just as players but as uh, um, student-athletes. With N'Kobe Dean, uh, you know, great accolades for him. You mentioned Player of the Year in the state of Mississippi. How does he compare to some other linebackers that have been elite or have been classified as elite uh, over the last couple of years, maybe some names that people would recognize? Well, I think with the Kobe Dean, what, what you like about him is just how instinctual he is and his short area quickness, his ability to read. When that hole opens up, he sees it and crashes down quickly. I got a chance to sit, stand behind him and drills yesterday and watch him watch that hole just close so quick with him him flying in there. Um, just the, the, the comparison, you know, I think that he would want to be like a Roquan Smith, obviously, would be the goal. To, to have that great career at Georgia, win the buckets, and then get drafted in the first round. Um, he's a linebacker that doesn't blow you away with uh, the height and length, and the Kobe's not one that's going to blow you away with height or length either. Um, but his game, his physicality and instincts and, and being a high IQ guy, and, and he is very quick. Um, so that's that. I, I would think that that's the ceiling that he's shooting for. Interesting that you mentioned Roquan Smith as the comparison because Georgia is a school that's uh, very much in it for uh, N'Kobe Dean uh, and his commitment. Do you have a, an idea, do you have a gut feeling on, on where this ends up for N'Kobe Dean here in, what, six days? For your old school listeners, and these guys might be a little differently built, uh, Roquan and the guy I'm going to throw, but London Fletcher, maybe he's in that London Fletcher mode too. Okay. Um, who played in the NFL for a long time and would lead the league in tackles, but another shorter, instinctive, physical guy. Uh, but Nicobe, where is he leaning? I've talked to several people about it. It's hard to put your finger on it completely. I think that schools that I'm hearing the most for, for Nicobe would be Georgia, uh, Alabama, and LSU just had him on campus. I think that was a school he grew up rooting for uh, before the process started. Uh, one of my colleagues, John Garcia, mentioned. Um, but I, I think that uh, um, it would be if I if you're asking me, I think he'll end up at one of those three programs: Georgia, Alabama, or LSU. And as it stands right now, my 24/7 Sports Crystal Balls on LSU. Uh, a lot of a lot of reports lately have given momentum to Alabama. Um, from some of my colleagues. I'm still kind of sitting on Georgia right now. Go figure with an elite player that you would have Georgia and Alabama and LSU in the mix for their services for the next uh, for the next handful of years. Uh, visiting with Steve Wiltfong, Director of Recruiting 24-7 Sports. He's based out of Indianapolis but is at the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Game. Is there a player that at this point in the recruiting process – that could still really enhance their options? I, I mean, I know we're only talking about a week or, or less than a week now from the early signing period, but is there a player that could do something on the field, either in the practices or the actual game, that, that could help them still? Well, when I got off the airplane and I came out to Mississippi's practice yesterday, I did not know who Antavius Willis was from Thelma Jackson. Are you all familiar with him? I am not, no. Okay, well, he had a terrific season, uh, which I found out later. But he was so the so the top receiver in practice yesterday was Dennis Jackson, who's committed to Ole Miss, who's going to be able to come in right away uh, and 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 uh, help Ole Miss replenish that 
uh, outstanding receiver room. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. Uh, but this kid, uh, Antavius Willis, who made more plays than anyone yesterday, uh, I thought he was smooth, good speed. Uh, then I, I, I uh, get back to my hotel room and I pull it up the pull up the film and find out he rushed for 1,800 yards last year and then had over 500 yards receiving and scored a bunch of touchdowns. I asked him on the field yesterday what his college plans were and he said, you know, he just listed a bunch of JUCOs looking at him. So I don't know what his situation is academically, but I think that Antavius Willis is a guy that he has no press clippings around him right now. Um, compared to all these other high-profile D1 guys, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a guy like him pop up in a, at a Power Five school after after a JUCO run. I, I think he's been outstanding. Let me ask you about one of the Alabama kids who's committed to Mississippi State, Lee Witherspoon, the uh, running back who set a ton of records over there in that state. Have you had a chance to to look at him, and how do you think he projects for Mississippi State? Well, this is my second Mississippi practice. I went to the Alabama practice this morning, and I got a chance to see Lee, and Lee was working out with the defensive backs. And uh, my, my work colleague, Steve Robertson, thinks that maybe that's where he'll, he'll settle in eventually in college. But I obviously had that terrific senior season, and it was his first time being featured as, as the running back and set the state record for touchdowns, I believe it was. He... He, he was a guy that he didn't blow me away uh, with his physical stature. Uh, seemed a little more of a slighter build. So maybe the secondary um, long term, but he, he, he's got the track and field testing numbers. He's no question a verified athlete. Very productive on the field, so we'll see what a college weight room does for him. And I think Charles Huff is one of the best running back coaches in the country uh, over there at Mississippi State. Helped develop Saquon Barkley. Helped develop Miles Sanders, who is Penn State's feature back this year. and Just now starting to get ingrained there in Starkville. So I look forward to seeing uh, what Lee Witherspoon does uh, potentially in Charles Huff's running back room. Steve, really appreciate some of your time this afternoon and uh, insight and observations from the uh, the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Game. Hope we can catch up with you again soon. Guys, thanks for having me on. Y'all take care. That's uh, Steve Wiltfong. He is the director of recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Hey, Dad, was good to get him lined up uh, on relatively short notice this afternoon. So good stuff with uh, with Steve Wiltfong. Uh, kind of interesting thoughts on Kobe Dean. And uh, I saw you kind of raise your eyebrows when you were talking about the running back from Alabama. Yeah, I thought he was going to be the next in line at running back, but possible shift to defense. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where that uh, that ends up. Steve Wilfong on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky is out. Wait, he comes home today, doesn't he? Or does he come home tomorrow? 
I, I didn't get a copy of the itinerary. Yeah, I mean, so. I know he's not. Ju- he's taking Let's tomorrow off. He may have decided <laughs> to pack it up and come home after he called him. Uh, There's no escape. Yeah, I guess that's uh, possible. But Borky will be back on uh, on Monday of next week. And then Will ships out on his honeymoon, right? That's correct. I'm leaving tomorrow, actually. So Will didn't just get married, though. What is happening here? Yeah, there's a little... Um, it was a delayed honeymoon? The man's married to his job. <laughs> yes. And this, 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 this wife didn't want to take a honeymoon, so... What's what's happening here? Yeah, what's going on? So, are you excited, Will? Yes, I am. I I thought I was going to the Caribbean, and then I looked at the tickets like day before yesterday, and found out that I'm actually going to Cancun. So, I really don't know where I'm going, but I do know that I'm leaving on a jet plane somewhere. Wait, hold on a second. You're leaving the country tomorrow, and you looked at the tickets yesterday to figure out where you were going. Yes. I didn't book it. A travel Clearly. Agent, a travel agent booked it, for, booked it for us. They gave us a bunch of options. Being a cheap person, I chose the cheapest option, and there we go. We're but going to but even, in, even in choosing the cheapest option, you didn't actually look to see where it was that you were going? No, I didn't. I can respect that. You can drink on the beach wherever the plane touches down. What does it matter? I'm not going to be able to tell the difference between the two places, so... It's a beach. They're all the same. It's a beach. Did the, you know? did, did, did the missus invest a little bit more time into the planning of this? No, no, she didn't did? either. She thought we were going to the Caribbean. And she went to go look and see. She's like, well, where exactly are we going so we can know what we're going to do when we get there? And then she started, she looked at the tickets. She's like, wait a minute, we're not going to the Caribbean. We're going to Cancun. It been really funny if you thought you're going to like an English-speaking island in the Caribbean and you get off and everybody's speaking Spanish and you don't know what's going Oh, my gosh. I mean, Will, you're a train wreck, Will. We, we've worked together for a long time, and it, I don't really think it's necessarily in your makeup to open your microphone and talk to the entire state of Mississippi and just lie to them. But it's hard for me to believe what you're telling me right now, that you discovered yesterday where it is that you're going on your honeymoon when you're leaving tomorrow. It's 100% true. The travel agent sent me an email with like six or seven different options. I chose the You didn't read one. anything. You only looked for the thing with the dollar sign yes, and said, oh, this exactly. is cheapest. Let's go there. Yes. Oh, that one's $100 he, cheaper than the one below it. He could have been going to Flint, Michigan. He didn't. He just didn't know. He just... Picked what was cheapest. Be sure to check the flight time. Yeah. Why yeah. Is, why is that? So you'll know when so, your plane's taking off. You know, so that so since that you, you haven't get looked at anything else or gotten any other details, just saying, you know, it might be a good time to check out your itinerary. Well, yeah. We actually leave on Saturday. We're flying out of New Orleans, but we're driving to New Orleans tomorrow afternoon, staying in a hotel and getting up early that next morning to catch a plane. Um. I think you're just misdirecting us because you don't want us to call you while you're on your honeymoon. That you might actually be going to an island in the Caribbean. You're just telling us that it's Cancun to save that hassle. Well, I didn't tell you what hotel I'm staying at. Michael Borky made that mistake. We'll figure that out, though. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, Have I I ever told my honeymoon story? I think so, because Jeff and Laurel just texted us and said, at least Will has a passport. Yeah. So if if you're listening, so Jane and I got married in July of 2006, and we were going to Grand Cayman for our honeymoon. Which is in? 
the Caribbean. It, it is. Not Cancun. And I actually knew that it was in the Caribbean. Yes. And knew that we were going to Cancun. But somewhere along the way, I read something, heard something, was 100% convinced that uh, Grand Cayman was a place where you didn't have to have a passport. I had a passport. Jane had a passport. It was not expired. But I knew that I didn't need my passport to go to Grand Cayman. Knew. I'm using the quote fingers here. 100%. I knew that I didn't have to have it. Jane brought hers along just for good measure. And so we're checking in at the airport on that Sunday morning. Flight's supposed to leave at, oh, I don't know, 6.30 or 7. So it's about, what, 5.30? And the ticket agent says, um, passports? I said, oh, we don't have to have passports. We're going to Grand Cayman. She said... Um, I don't know how to break this to you, but, but yeah, you, you do have to have your passport. And Jane sets hers on the counter, and she looks at me, and her eyes start to well up with tears. Oh, God. And I think, I've been married for less than 12 hours, and I've already made my wife cry. It's over at that point. Uh, well, 12 and a half years later, well, we're still kicking. You're a lucky man. Uh, I have a very forgiving wife. What did you do? She went to Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just changed. We went to Cancun. Yeah, there the, anywhere we could go where we don't went to the have Grand to have. Floridian at Disney. <laughs> um, so we called Jane's parents. They grabbed my passport, hustled to Memphis. They got there about an hour after the flight took off. Not that it was their fault. Uh, I called the hotel where we were staying, explained the issue. They said, it's no problem. We'll just bump your reservation back a day. We stayed an extra night in Memphis, and we went back to the hotel, slept for, I don't know, four or five hours, went and had brunch on Sunday. It turned out, in reality, to be like the best thing ever, because right after your wedding, you're exhausted, and for that to be a travel day, so it, so it turned into a great thing, thankfully. Spinning this to where you're actually a genius? It yeah. was not a great thing at 6.30 a.m. on Sunday morning, standing at the American Airlines yeah. counter in Memphis International Airport. Between you and Will, you might have a whole vacation planned here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It turned out to be a great trip, though. Um, so what, what, are you just going to completely unplug? Or I would ask you if you have like any plans to you know go fishing or swim with dolphins or anything like that, but my assumption is you've not really looked that far into the itinerary. I, I have not looked... At any of that stuff. No, I, I am going to try to unplug as best I can, uh, although I will be doing a little bit of work, even though my wife won't know it, and she probably isn't listening to this right now. I was so. about to say, you just gave it away. Do you think she will be doing any work? No, no, she, no, 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 no. She's completely unplugging. Fair enough. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, you know, we've, we, we didn't do the traditional thing where you go on your honeymoon immediately after you get married. And we just kept putting it off and putting it off, so it's like uh, you get to celebrate the marriage kind of all over again. There you go. You can have another My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yes, another one. The second one, although without the crazy family. Yeah. You taking Windex with you? (laughs) Sorry, you only get that joke if you have watched the uh, fantastic movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Which apparently neither Rippy nor I have. I know that I Oh, you should watch that. Oh, I should? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you'd get a bunch of laughs out of that one. Don't you agree, Will? Uh, Again, sometimes when you watch this with Greek people, they laugh at some things, and other things they kind of get angry at because it's too real for them. It's a little too close close to home home. sometimes, doesn't it? I got you. Fair enough. I don't even know that we have time to move on to this. Um, Let's... um, 
Ben Howland met with the media earlier today. Mississippi State plays Cincinnati on Saturday night in Starkville, 7.30 tip-off, Humphrey Coliseum. There's a litmus test there, I think, with the crowd. We'll see. Yeah. Any uh, anecdotal evidence as to what it might be? Are people talking about it like they're excited and they're going to go? No. Oh, really? No. I uh, did a poll. Not looking good for that. Uh, and then I know the students are out of town. Like, like the dorms are closed. So student crowd, if they, if they want to go there either. Yeah, but that hasn't really mattered one way or the other, has it? The students have been a little bit better, better about it than, than the, the alumni have. So I'm not expecting a big crowd for this one, to be honest. 5,000? That could happen. What does that place hold? 10. Hmm. 5,000. Five thousand. If the entire lower bowl is like packed yeah. in, yeah. And MSU's been doing a better job lately of if of announcing early in the game. Hey, if you've got if you're up in the upper bowl, you want to come down, come yeah. on down. So, uh, what's Ben Howland think about uh, this Cincinnati team? He thinks what 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 is correct about them that they are one of the best defensive teams in the country. You know, you know Mick Cronin. That's the kind of de- the team he wants to have. They grind you to death. Uh, they're they're only giving up about fifty three, fifty four points a game. Teams are only shooting 38% against them. Uh, they are going to squeeze every possession uh, out of Mississippi State, which I think will be a good contrast of styles. I think I think State wants to get up and run a little bit. Yeah. They want to get those three those three balls up in the air as quick as they can, um, whereas Cincinnati is, is very content to play a game that's 58-55 or something like that. So if you, if you tell me that the final score of the game is in the 70s, I would think Mississippi State won that game. After all, misplayed him, Kermit Davis called Mick Cronin and Cincinnati's defensive philosophy probably the most unique thing you'll face in college basketball just because of how different and how tough it is. I did a great interview today uh, on supertalk.fm with Scott Springer of the Cincinnati Inquirer. You can get a little more inf- information on that. A great interview? It was I, it was really informative. Well, he, he went up and down their roster. He gave us a lot of info. That's on the Thunder and Lightning podcast? It's on the Thunder and Lightning podcast, but it's also available just uh, by itself at supertalk.fm. There you go. Supertalk.fm. You can uh, check that interview out. So there are multiple people, coaches, media people, who have said with regard to Kermit Davis and Ole Miss, they're not finishing last. So what do we know about this Ole Miss team eight games, nine games into the year? Are they finishing last? It's where they were picked in the preseason media poll. Or if you had a chance to redo that poll, would they be in a different spot? Talk about that next in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm on this Thursday afternoon. Kind of in that bowl game preview time. No real college football to get to. you got some NFL stuff coming up this weekend. But our buddy Lee Sterling at Paramount Sports never sleeps. He is breaking down bowl games. He is trying to find where the values are. And he's on your radio right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Hello, Lee. How are you? Boy, a lot going on. It's, it's, times sure have changed from when I grew up. Uh, guys not even playing in bowl games. Uh, if I told my college coach I wasn't going to play uh, in a bowl game, I think he would have <laughs> told me, well, see you, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. How much of, of that do you factor in when you're handicapping these games as to whether or not star well, players I mean, are going to play players, or not play? If a player's a big-time player, important to the offense or defense, you have to factor it in. But 
Um, I, I just find that, that you have to look at totals and, and very little tackling t- takes place in these uh, these bowl practices, and you have to factor that in. So you see some really shoddy tackling. So uh, sometimes some decent defenses don't play very well. And then on top of that, uh, you know, you got to find out what's going on with these teams. There's teams like Miami. Miami's in such shambles. They've lost I think it's 15 of the 24 guys that were committed were going to sign early with them. And so they're out scrambling right now, and they're only going to have seven practices of, of the allotted 15 practices. So there's a lot of information out there on the Internet. you just you got to just you know, be willing to spend some time, and that's what we do. Uh, one of the things that you can get at Paramount Sports is uh, is a bunch of breakdowns, right? Those videos that you've been doing all season long, you've got them for bowl season as well? Yeah, yeah, we, we have, uh, it's, a, it's a great time because we get two weeks pretty much, you know, there's that Army-Navy game, but we can go back and look at some films of, of some teams and see some things and uh, you, you, you find some, some situations. I mean, uh, don't want to tell anyone, but, but there was a coach that was just hired. It'll be one of my, probably one of my biggest plays and he's hired by a school and he was their coordinator last year for that, the school that they're facing. In the bowl game, so um, I don't know if they had that in mind, but surely, certainly going to be to their benefit when they they prepare. You know, we talked about it one of the games earlier this year. You saw what what Florida did when their coaching staff knew, you know, every player and all the schemes that that Mississippi State was going to run at them. And you know, on a normal day, Mississippi State's the better team, but in that day, because of the matchup, and also what we saw with Georgia Alabama, playing fields a, a lot more level when the coaching staff from one team knows everything about the other players on the other opposing squad. Let's take a look at some of these games. LSU and UCF in the Fiesta Bowl. There are a lot of people that were frustrated that they didn't uh, match LSU up with Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl and then put UCF and Florida against each other in the uh, in the Peach Bowl. But this is what we are left with. LSU 7.5 point favorite. The big win streak for UCF. No McKenzie Milton. What do you see? Yeah, I, I think the public would have liked to have seen, first of all, Mackenzie Milton healthy, and they would like to have seen them match up for, at least against the Michigan or maybe in the Final Four, but not the case. Now they're going to have a really tough road to hoe here. They won 25 straight games here. Uh, they were down 17 points to Memphis, and you know they came out, and I think they figured, hey, we'll give it our all and see what we have in the second half. And uh, Great effort, and I think the, the crowd also uh, was one of the reasons they were able to just rally and, and dominate Memphis in the second half and outscore them 35 to three here. I just think the Tigers are really tough in the front seven and going to give Central Florida some real problems. They're not used to facing this type of talent and, and kids that can play the run pass option. So uh, I, I think LSU playing the tougher schedule here and UCF's r- really weak run defense. They have a lot. 290 yards per game on average the last five games. I think LSU is the right side. I think they win this game here easy, 45-24. to 24. Ooh, 45-24 yep. LSU over UCF. Georgia and Texas. Georgia's an 11-point favorite. Going to meet in the Sugar Bowl. Should be a great environment for that game. I don't think there's any question Georgia is better than Texas. That's just my perception. What I'm curious about, though, is if there are any motivation issues or lingering disappointment issues for Georgia not being in the playoff. 
Oh, I think it's huge. I mean, motivation might be the biggest component you have to figure out with the team. And I, I don't know if it's there for, for Georgia. You know, uh, such a disappointment now two years in a row. Uh, they had they had Alabama again. You know we could talk about it till till the cows come home. But but that that fake punt was just a big big mistake and turned the game. Uh, I think Texas is going to come out here firing. I don't think they're going to run the ball much. Uh, they've only averaged three point eight yards per carry. This quarterback Sam Erlinger, you look at it, he's not going to be a pro quarterback in my opinion. But just he wills his team to stay in games. Twenty five touchdowns, only five interceptions here. Uh, problem for Georgia, only twenty two sacks on the season so uh, with him you got to get some pressure pressure on the Texas quarterback uh, if you want to have a, an easy win DeAndre Swift will probably have some success here but I think Texas will counter uh, with two kids that might end up in the first round at wide receivers Humphrey and Johnson here so that's a real fun matchup to watch Humphrey and Johnson against the Georgia secondary I, I think Georgia wins the game here probably 31 to 28 but uh, give me Texas in the 11th Okay, so you'll take the 11 points with Texas against Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Mississippi State and Iowa, New Year's Day matchup in Tampa at the Outback Bowl. Bulldogs about a touchdown favorite, six and a half, I think, uh, against the Hawkeyes. Mississippi State in good shape here? I think so. And, and you know, Iowa's going to be without their top tight end. Um, you know, I, I, he'll probably get drafted, you know, early second, mid-second round. Uh, uh, Noah Fant. T.J. Hawkinson's still a, a tough, tough cover. I mean, these were guys, that, like six, 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 seven guys that can run. But uh, uh, Mississippi State allows just 268 yards per game. And, and Iowa not far behind, 291. Just their coaching decisions and the play calling for Iowa really hampered them. Iowa, I thought they underachieved more than maybe any team in the country. I know the, the, the you know the, that they only had four losses, but I felt that they should have won every single game here. So I think Mississippi State uh, will wear them down here and, and maybe hit on some big plays late. And Iowa always seems to turn the ball over in key situations here. Give me State here, 31-21. to 21. 31-21. Mississippi State, a 10-point winner, covering against Iowa in the uh, in the Outback Bowl. Lee, you got any specials going on right now that our listeners can check out for uh, for bowl season and kind of yeah, rolling in like all the way to the Super Bowl? Special in each city, you know, uh, uh, at least once a year. And from now through the Super Bowl, and we still have three weeks left of the NFL season. Uh, we've got 41 bowl games this year, NFL playoffs and Super Bowl. And last year in the bowl games, we were 18 and 9. So they want to hop on board on the website. It's 597. We have on there a Save 200 discount. If they use coupon code SAVE300, nowhere else, use coupon code SAVE300, they can get everything through the Super Bowl for just $297. So use that coupon code SAVE200, ParamountSports.com, just $297. That's going to get you probably 60 selections from now through the Super Bowl. Or you can call us here at the office, 800-400-9741. All right, you heard it. The coupon code is SAVE300, and you can get all the way through the Super Bowl for $297. Hey, let's jump on these two uh, playoff games. we get about two and a half minutes left. So Clemson yep. is an 11.5-point favorite against Notre Dame, and Alabama is a 14-point favorite against Oklahoma. 
I think that line's a little too high. I just think that Notre Dame is solid. Uh, people, you know, probably remember the Alabama destruction of Notre Dame, but that was a few years back. Uh, Notre Dame really does not have any real weakness this year. I thought that the Clemson defensive line did not play up to expectations this year. I look for Dexter Williams. This guy's under the radar, running back for, for the Fighting Irish. Missed the first four games, but still ran for 970 yards and 12 touchdowns. I think he'll be a difference maker. A lot of people also forget about special teams. Clemson's special teams this year ranked 106 out of 130 teams. Upset of the year in the bowl season. Notre Dame 27-26. And in the other bowl game, I like Alabama here. Whoa. I just think that the defense... Hold on, let me press pause. Go let let me press worry. pause just for a second, Lee. I want to make yeah. sure that we got that. We didn't gloss over it. You said Notre Dame 27-26 over Clemson? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to win the game outright. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just, just wanted yeah. to make sure I heard that right. <laughs> you heard it right. Um, and, and you're getting 11 points. So what you might want to do is play the game plus the 11. The other half on the money line pays over 4-1. to one. Mm. And in the other game, I like Bama here. I, I just think that Oklahoma's defense um, just not up to snuff. Usually you look at the end of the year who wins games and who wins national championships when you get to the Final Four, the better defense. Georgia, they knew Alabama inside and out. Two was not 100%. I think he's going to be close to 100%. And uh, pass defense for Oklahoma, ranked 106 out of 130 teams here. Give me Bama big, 52-24. Ooh, 52-24. And that's in your neck of the woods. You going to go to that one? Oh, I'll be there. Yeah. Turns out my next-door neighbor growing up was the president of the Orange Bowl, Eric Palms. <laughs> Beautiful. Not only are yep. you going, you've got good seats. I like it. Thanks, Lee. All right. Don't forget, ParamountSports.com. Use the coupon code SAVE300, $297 for the remainder of the year. That's over 60 games left, three weeks of the regular season, NFL playoffs, the Super Bowl, and all the bowl games as well. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. More coming up. Renaissance Bank Studio. Let's go, let's go. This is your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. So one eight seven nine four three nine five. The ceasefire text line. You can also tweet the show and sports talk. M I S S. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippy, and you. Well, plus Will East, who just found out where he's going on his honeymoon. I'll uh, I'll let that uh, sleeping dog lie for a bit. All right. So Lee Sterling had Notre Dame twenty seven twenty six over Clemson in a playoff semifinal. Reaction? No. No. You're going wrong, 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 wrong. Not only do I not see that, I don't see that game being close. I think Clemson's going to run away with it. Yeah? It'll be close for a half. Um, Had uh, Bama big over Oklahoma. Now that I buy. Also had uh, Mississippi State by 10 over... The Iowa Hawkeyes. See, I, I like the, the margin there. 
10 works for me. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't, he had it 31-21. I can't imagine these two teams scoring a combined 52 points. Well, we've been, we've been talking to Lee all season long, and it, you remember it was a few weeks ago. I go, Lee, you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention to this Mississippi State defense. Yeah, he had, he had Louisiana Tech scoring 20-plus on them. Yeah. And had, uh, I think, Arkansas scoring 20-plus on them. I just, they, they give up 12 points a game. Uh, against Alabama, they only give up 24, which is the lowest that anybody put on Alabama, I think, uh, all season. So, yeah, I mean, I like, I, I think State's going to win that game. I'm, I've given away my prediction here a few weeks ahead of time. I mean, it's, it's subject to change, but I see that game as something like, you know, 17 to 10, 20 to 10 kind of game. I don't, I don't see, I don't see State getting 31, and I certainly don't see Iowa getting 21. Mm. What do you think about the Clemson Notre Dame pick? Yeah, I don't see it. I, I, that, I don't see it at all. But. but that said, that's one of those things where sometimes guys who, who do what Lee does, they just know something. And Vegas does it a lot. Sometimes Vegas will put out a line, and it, it just stinks to high heaven. But it hits. And that's why those casinos are so big out there. Yeah. So maybe, you know. He knows. It's funny. I was, I was looking on Twitter last night. Richard Deitch, who's the uh, the media yeah. writer now for The Athletic, he goes, Big fan of his. hey, let's do this just for fun. He's like, I'm, I'm not really a gambler, but uh, this line doesn't make any sense to me tonight. He was talking about the Raptors Warriors game. Yeah, late game West Coast Warriors haven't been playing great. Um, Raptors without Kawhi Leonard in the game last night. He goes, and this is this is a crazy line. I, I'd say Warriors by ten at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Raptors won by like twenty five. Yeah, sometimes Vegas just knows something. I watched most of that game. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Toronto's pretty good for the yeah. Raptors, and that's without Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. They blew out a really good Clippers team the night before in L.A. without Kawhi, too. So that was the second of a back-to-back and destroyed the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, there were, there was actually some some fairly sound reasoning from Deitch and why he was saying. His point was, okay, you have the big win the night before against the Clippers. It's a back-to-back deal. No Kawhi. Uh, Golden State getting better, blah, blah, blah. I think Steph Curry was asked today in a media session, is there anything that you, th- you thought you guys did well last night? And he paused for a long moment, and he said, no. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, Chargers-Chiefs tonight to uh, start the NFL weekend. Is that appointment viewing? That'll be a good game. I wouldn't go so far as to say appointment viewing, but uh, that, that'll be – I mean, that that's a playoff-type game here with three weeks left in the regular season. Two games on Saturday this weekend. There's no college football to compete with. Texans at Jets. Browns at Broncos. Which of those is a more watchable game? Texans at Jets or Browns at Broncos? The Texans are watchable because I mean they've won what nine straight. They're they're a pretty good team. I like Deshaun Watson. Well, they they had a nine game win streak snap okay. last week. They lost last week, but before that, they're, yeah. they're playing well. Deshaun Watson is an exciting player. They've, they've got they've got some talent. And if you're a Mississippi person, they got two Bulldogs who are. Picking pretty great contributions out there with Bernard McKinney and Jordan Thomas. Yeah. Jordan Thomas, who has almost a Tamu. Uh, Jordan Thomas, who has uh, four uh, touchdown catches on the season. Yeah, so yeah, really nice rookie year. Yeah. for uh, for them. You do have the Baker Mayfield factor. That's true. Denver and Cleveland are both one out of the lost column of the last wild card spot too. As crazy as that. Now that sounds. that is hard to believe. I, be, I believe you. But if somebody I didn't trust told me that, I would write them off. If you look at the NFC and the AFC wildcard right now, it's insane. There's nine teams still alive in the NFC for a playoff bid. And, like, legitimately alive. That's incredible. To put it in perspective, if Tampa had held off the Saints last week, and I get this is a big if, they would have been one game out of a wildcard spot. Wow. So is the NFL doing the playoff thing right or no? I mean, they've got... 
you know, they've got their, their top teams. You know, you know the Chiefs, the Patriots, and then you have the, the Saints and the Rams. But beyond that, you've got a good scramble for those remaining spots, and that's what you want at this time of year. You want some drama. If, if this were college football playoff people, they'd be like, oh, no, you can't have a team with a 500 record getting anywhere close to the playoffs. It bastardizes the why, game. Why are they British? I don't know. <laughs> should, should... Shouldn't they be from the South? Yeah, probably so. <laughs> but it's like, oh, no, you can't have, you know, whatever. <laughs> it was not my worst British accent. It wasn't bad. The, the, the impression was fine. It just I was wondering why the college football playoff committee we is based out of Buckingham well. Palace now. What the NFL does better. What, what, Governor? We all talk about some college football here. <laughs> like 20, let's see, we can go through it. Um. What are you looking at? He's trying to do math. That's a problem. About roughly 24 teams are still very much in the playoff hunt, and there's three weeks left in the regular season. Which is fun. That's great. That's what the NFL does better than any other league. And you can you, you can just say, well, it's different in the NFL. That's fine. It's set up differently. But there's something that's kind of cool about a team that plays 500 ball or is a game or two above 500 and gets in and gets hot. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that the Patriots I do were wish the better the, team against the Giants in that Super Bowl, but the Giants won it. I do wish that the NFL would do it where home field advantage should be determined by record, not by who wins the division. I will never forgive the Saints getting screwed over at 11-5, and having to go play, a, I think, a 7-9 and Seattle team on the road, and that was the, uh, the uh, beast mode run year that Marshawn Lynch killed them. But that game, there's no reason for higher, better teams with better records to have to go on the road in the wild card round? Or in any round. I don't think winning your division is that big a deal. You know, if you're playing in the NFC West that year and seven and nine wins you or eight and eight, if eight and eight wins your division and somebody else in another division was twelve and four, but they lost to a thirteen and three team, the twelve and four team should have home field advantage over you. Well, you only get it in a division versus a wild card team. Like it only happens in the divisional round. Because if you have two division winners, the better record gets the higher seed. I guess right. you're right, but I, I, in the wild card round, though, I don't think I don't think that should. I don't yeah. think winning your division. So, that's so like, that in the of, wild card round, the better record hosts. In the division round, the division winner hosts. Even if the wild card team has a better record, right? Wild card round, the division winner. No, nah, see, yeah, he's right. If if a, if a wild card with a better record has the uh, division goes to the division champion who has a worse record it's based off seeding i'm i'm telling you look t- no that's my point though yeah you you're right no i get what you're, you're saying but you're only going it's to not- get it in the wild card round because you have the wild card team versus the division winner which the division winner i guess could possibly have a worse record that's so the, the division w- the division winner would have to have 1 through 4 you regardless. would have to have a situation where like both wild cards came from the same division and the divi- let's say let's just use the NFC South and let's say if the Saints were 14 and 2 the Panthers were thirteen and three, and the uh, Falcons were twelve and four, and then the other three division winners were all eleven and five. Yeah, I see what you're saying. The the Panthers and the Falcons, the wild cards in that, should have home field because they had better records. That would take a lot, though. You don't it, see it very much. It, no, it, it's an odd scenario for sure, but I, I can give you a couple of examples. Leave it to the Saints fan who says, "Oh, we got screwed. We got screwed." The uh, the games on Sunday: Cardinals, Falcons, Lions, Bills, Packers, Bears. That means a lot for the Bears. Yeah, Bear, Bears are good this year. That's a surprising good team. It's uh, funny what that trade did for them. Yeah. Uh, Raiders trying to make it two in a row as they go to Cincinnati. Ooh. Cowboys at Colts. That's interesting. 
in Indianapolis. Andrew Luck's been really good this year, 34 touchdown passes. Dak coming off his best career performance, 455 yards passing, went crazy in the second half in an overtime. Mm -hmm. Dolphins at Vikings. Dolphins have still got a shot at the playoffs thanks to uh, their crazy win last week. Yeah. Titans at Giants. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. Mathematically, there's still a chance for the Giants. That would be a devastating loss for the Titans. Yeah, it would, but they're going to, I've already called this, they're going to win this, they're going to beat Washington next week, and they're going to play Indianapolis at home in Week 17 with a playoff berth on the line and get beat by 20. You going to go? No. You going to save yourself that That's a cold stadium. It is, it is. See, yeah, I started to say it's either a hot stadium or a cold. That's the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. The Liberty Bowl is either like the 10th level of, of you-know-what or the polar ice cap. Agreed. Bucks at Ravens. I've uh, been there for both, too. Joe Flacco not going to start. Well, he's not elite. $125 million quarterback benched. Good for you, Lamar Jackson. Uh, Seahawks at Niners. It is Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Seahawks playing pretty good football right now. Pats at Steelers. There's a game. It's got some intrigue to it. Always. The late afternoon game on CBS. Steelers could legitimately miss the playoffs if they lose that game because they played New Orleans, too, with the one of the last two games. That could be bad for them. It'll be dark at kickoff and probably spitting snow, right? Oh, yeah. Let's hope so. Eagles-Rams for Sunday night football in L.A. And then the Monday night game, Saints at Panthers. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. everywhere it happens all the time but it doesn't really make it any more palatable i don't think or maybe you can call me a fuddy-duddy at least two of the louisville football program's 2019 recruits were thrown for a loop on sunday night of this past week when the incoming coaching staff informed them that they would not honor the players scholarship offers the four players were anthony adkins an athlete Jack Randolph, an offensive lineman, Stanley King, a wide receiver, and Denzel Daxon, a defensive tackle. Those four guys have opened their recruitment. At the time, it was nine days or ten days away from the early signing period. Scott Satterfield is the new head coach at Louisville, made the move over from Appalachian State. A lot of people have made a lot of this story. Earlier today, Tom Luganbill jumped in on Twitter with his thoughts about it, and they were not terribly um, flattering. Well, that's not the right way to describe it at all. He basically said, apparently Scott Satterfield is the only coach to ever take a new job, evaluate players he didn't recruit, and decide that they need to go in another direction. He told them up front, part of the deal, give me a break. He was hired for a reason. There are people that are crying foul on Scott Satterfield coming in and saying to four guys in the recruiting class, 
this isn't going to be right for you. We're going to go a different direction. And then there are guys like Tom Luganville who say, look, this happens all the time. There's a reason he was hired. It's part of the business. Where do you fall on this? I fall with Luganville here. Okay. Because you think about Petrino and the offense they ran, pro-style, passing, vertical passing game. Scott Satterfield is an, is an option coach. The guys that Petrino's bringing in, they're not going to fit what he wants to do, period. They're just not. So I think Satterfield's doing these kids a favor. A read option coach, though. It's not yeah. a triple option. No, no, but it, but it's it's more of a power-running kind of, of offense. It's way different than what Petrino did. Yes. So what you're doing now is like, look, guys, while you still have time, while you still have options, go ahead and look around as opposed to, okay, well, honor your commitment, and then you come to school, and then it's a, tr- I don't fit here, and now I've got to transfer, and I've got to sit out of here. There's still plenty of time. You don't have to sign in December. You can let it ride till February. A lot of players are still going to do that. And this gives them some opportunities to take some official visits and find a better fit for them. At the end of the day, it, Scott Satterfield is being paid money to win. And he's not going to win taking in players who don't fit what he wants to do offensively. Yeah. That said, for Louisville, they're a little bit of a pickle because we are six days away from signing day. And I looked at their signing class a couple days ago. They have three commitments. Three. 125th ranked in the country. Yeah. So, I mean, they got a lot of work to do. They're a team that is going to be working the, the phones and working very hard, not just the next six days, but going into that, that last signing day in February. They, they're going to have to find players. So much uncertainty in the last six weeks. Nine players have decommitted and none have committed to Louisville. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I get that. Yet they had to find out who the coach was going to be, and now they got to – they got to reset, basically. But I, I think Satterfield, be, he'll, he'll get players, and they're not going to just sign three guys. They'll, they'll get you know 20 players in there and, and take it from there. In the four weeks between the firing of Petrino and the hiring of Scott Satterfield, Athletic Director Vince Tyra took on the bulk of the recruiting responsibilities. He reached out to most of the remaining commits and several prospects who had not made a decision or who had committed to other schools, which is interesting. I mean, that's not usually what you think of being part of your job responsibility yeah. when you're the AD. But when you get rid of everybody and you're still trying to figure out who the new guy is going to be, somebody's got to do it. I want to say that that Greg Byrne did that uh, between the the transition between Croom and, and Mullen, hmm. that he took on some recruiting responsibilities as well. The the one thing that makes you feel a little icky on this is the parents of these recruits are basically looking at it like their kids were cut after the athletic director had kind of reached out to him and told him, look, everything's going to be okay. We're going to get a good football coach in here. We're going to do this. You know, To me, that's the only thing that's a little unsavory. I get that it's a it's a big boy deal, mm-hmm. and, and you got to make business decisions. But if the athletics director reached out specifically and said, we will honor your scholarship, and then the new coach comes in and he's allowed to go, yeah, we're not honoring your scholarship, yeah. then that's a little bit of an well, issue to me, for me. That's on the athletic director. He's got to be a little bit more specific about what he's saying. He's like, look. We're in the process. We're going to hire a new coach. We're going to hire the best coach for us. When he gets in here, he's going to figure it out. Because at the end of the day, if those guys were just going to be like, well, I can't live with that, I have to decommit, how different is that than where they are right now? No, you're right. So Interesting here. I sympathize with Satterfield. Vince Cyrus said, we have the flexibility we wouldn't normally have because we only have 11 scholarships available to offer. Yeah, but you know as well as I do, that's not, they're, going to, they're going to sign more than 11 players. They'll figure out a way, I guess. Yeah. You get a thought on this? Yeah, it's just why you commit to a coach, not a school, and so like which everybody would tell you is the opposite can't of that. Be mad, like when kids transfer because stuff like this happens on the opposite end. Yeah.
Yeah, the, the whole idea of being frustrated with the kid who decommits, yeah, that's probably a, a bygone era way of thinking because it's a street that runs in two directions. Yeah. 100% it's a street that runs in two directions. Sports Talk Mississippi, the college football fix, is coming your way next. Good to be with you on this Thursday afternoon in the Renaissance Bank studio. Can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple Eight Eight Zero Eight Eight Six Three Seven on Super Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock, just after five o'clock with you on this Thursday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Michael Borky is out this week. He is returning, I think, tonight, maybe tomorrow morning from his honeymoon. He will return to the show He's on, on Twitter Monday. Already. He's tweeting out stuff right now. Yeah, I did. I saw a response earlier. We had a, uh, a message that said, uh, did I read it on the air after seeing that picture that Borky posted on Twitter of his wife? I'd stay um, uh, on vacation as long as I absolutely could. I asked if this was complimentary or creepy, and Borky says it was absolutely complimentary. He realizes how much he lucked out. So um, I would say we'll get all the details of Borky's honeymoon when we when he comes back on Monday. That might be maybe not all the details. We're glad to be with you. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Are you a farmer? Do you have equipment needs? If you're a farmer, you probably do have equipment needs. Maybe you've got to uh, get ready for crop loans for the coming year. Maybe it's refinancing an existing loan. Maybe it's buying a new piece of property. Well, Mississippi Land Bank can help you with all of those things. If you're in the farming industry in North Mississippi, you know who Mississippi Land Bank is. Whether you've done business with them or not, it's probably time to give them a call. Talk to them. They're fantastic people to deal with. They understand the farming world, and it certainly has evolved. It's not just about you know, it's not just about putting seed in the dirt anymore. It is a big, big business, and Mississippi Land Bank understands that. They understand what you go through on a year-to-year basis in securing those crop loans and making sure you've got equipment that uh, is what you need to do your job and be as efficient as possible. You can find a branch location near you, or you can find the phone number and give them a call. Mississippi Land Bank, serving North Mississippi. They know the lay of the land. All right, it's time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. I've been telling you about the year-end sales event that's going on. Oh, you, you can take my word for it. I promise you can take my word for it. Great deals going on in the cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs at Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. If you haven't test-driven an F-150 lately, it's the best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years it's absolutely fantastic. Also, they got the new Expeditions, they've got the Explorers, they've got the Ford Fusion. Whatever it is that you're looking for, your Mississippi Ford dealer has got it. You can start your search online at buyfordnow.com. 
com. It's a big grin you've got on your face over there. Oh, I'm, I'm just uh, tweeting back and forth with with my bro, Bunky Perkins. Oh, okay. So yeah, little little smirky over yes. there. Yeah. We're, we're um, college football championship game. College football playoff championship game. Last year was in Atlanta. Yeah. Great game. At halftime last year, they had a concert. And it was at Centennial Park. Mm-hmm. So if you know, the, that's like the area where the Ferris wheel is. I know it is. Yeah. Well, I, I know you do, but some might not. Well, you were looking at me, though. You just happen to be the one sitting closest to me. You know what I'm talking about. Centennial Park, downtown Atlanta. I do. Big Ferris wheel, close to CNN, Center World of Coke, all that good stuff. Uh, so they had a halftime show that was broadcast on television. Who was it that played last year? I'm supposed to remember that. Yeah, like, like I watched the halftime show. I don't know. Um, so anyway, it was a big deal. And uh, who was it last year? Kendrick Lamar performed at halftime last year, and a lot of people were there. It's kind of a weird setup because it's a halftime show that's produced for television, but it's not in the stadium. Which is weird. That That is weird. Well, they're doing it again this year in Santa Clara. Grammy Award winners Imagine Dragons will perform at halftime of the college football playoff championship game on January 7th. It's the second year that the college football playoff has featured a Super Bowl-type halftime performance for the television audience. Can you really call it a Super Bowl-like performance when it's not in the stadium? You cannot. The Super Bowl halftime show is an event unto itself. It's the greatest Super Bowl halftime show of all time. What's the greatest Super Bowl halftime? Yes. Prince. In the rain, in Miami. Fantastic. You you agree? Was I alive for that? I don't know. Yes. Yes, you were. It's like five years ago. No, not five years ago. It was more than that. Ten years ago. I don't know. You were alive. He played Purple Rain, then the skies opened up and it rained while he was playing Purple Rain. It was unbelievable. Sounds like I agree. There yeah. were some people on Twitter trying to convince the world that Taylor Swift is better than Prince today. I'm not going to name them. There's no need to shame anybody like that. Oh, I saw that. But that is one of the most ridiculous takes in the history of the world. So so you're not on board with The Who. You're not on board with Bruno Mars. Uh, okay. You're not on board with The Boss. I like some of those bands and some of those people. Katy Perry. Hey, I can go do without her. But Right shark, left shark? No, not, not, not for me. But yeah, that said... I was watching with that. JT. That's that's one of those. Moments. I didn't have. That's back before DVR. I think had been invented because I would have loved to. Agree. I was like, did I just see what I what I thought I saw? And of course, no, there's no Twitter back then either. Twitter with Janet Jackson's wardrobe malfunction would have been one of the best days ever. That would be interesting topic. Prince was 2007. Yeah. Oh, what to go back days that would have been great on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. No question about that. That's definitely one. So I have multiple questions here. One, is Imagine Dragons a good choice? I mean, they've been the college football theme song for the entire year for ESPN's college football. Uh, Natural. Yeah. I don't mind them. I feel like with people my age, and this could just be me and, like, my small circle of friends, but I feel like they've become, like, the the nickelback. (laughs) That's not good. Where they're, like, the cool one to hate on. But I don't mind them. Like, I don't, like, necessarily, like, listen to Imagine Dragons. But they're fine on the college football things. Like, that doesn't bother me at all. I think they do a decent job. It's better than than what Fallout Boy was a couple years ago. That was awful. Every, Every... Every game was was the Fallout Boy song. That's right, it was. Yeah, it's probably a leg up, but that's setting a pretty low bar. I, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you. Um, if you were in charge 
of the halftime show for the college football playoff, what would uh, what would your first choice be? So I get to pick. Am I picking for myself, or am I picking based well, I on mean, what I think people would want to you, see? You, you can let your likes and dislikes influence your choice, but you also have to realize that you are putting together a show for an extremely large audience. All right, here's what here's what I'm putting together a show for. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm putting together a show for Alabama and Clemson fans, right? So shouldn't shouldn't I go country music? Okay. So unfortunately, I am not going to go Florida Georgia Line, and that's not happening with Brian Haydad in charge. So, you know, I'm going to try to get – are you ready for this one? He's doing a stadium tour right now. Let's bring Garth Brooks to the stage. 100% agree. I was going to say Hank Williams. Oh, my God. That would be fantastic, but I don't know if that's the, the right call or not. But Garth Brooks I'm, – and I'm not a huge Garth Brooks fan. I'll, I'll come out and say it. But that guy would put on a show that would leave everybody speechless. And it, the, 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 the Alabama fan, the Clemson fan demographic would love it. That's the choice. Um. I probably I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think like from purely a star standpoint, mm-hmm. I would try to get Justin Timberlake done. Yeah, JT's kind of. A I big don't like deal. his music, but he seems really cool. He does, and I'd hang out with him. I got um, I found myself in a, a YouTube wormhole late, not too terribly long ago, with this Justin Timberlake. Best. Uh, well, I was watching a bunch of different videos, and then you know it starts showing videos yeah, yeah, yeah. that pop up because I was watching. I, I, it started well, out. Start I was, no, it started out. I was trying to go back and watch some of Garth Brooks at Notre Dame Stadium okay. last week. I just kind of wanted to see some of the pictures from that, and it pops up on the suggested videos over on the uh, on the side that um, Garth Brooks with Justin Timberlake. I was like. I don't know that I've heard of this before. Yeah, check that out. JT playing a show in Nashville. Justin Timberlake does Friends in Low Places, and he stops after the first verse, and Garth Brooks comes out on stage. That is spectacular. That was spectacular. So I don't know if you can uh, if you can recreate that moment. Yeah. Certainly not when it's in Santa Clara, California. No. What about you over there? You're younger than us. Who who, who are you getting? Well, I just offered up one. I guess I could try to think of another. Oh, who did you go with? Hank Williams. Oh, you said Hank Williams. Okay, um, that's good. What, what about from for hip hop? Because you know Atlanta, Atlanta last year they went that way, but these are two fan bases that are close enough to Atlanta and and, and the and the, the you know the southern rappers and stuff like that. I think I've told this story on air before, but I like don't know rapper like hip hop culture at all. But my roommate. Uh, when I was a senior, did mm-hmm. so he explained to me the Drake Meek Mill battle. Yeah. So if you had them like fist fight, that'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> While they're like rapping in a cage. Yeah. That in would, the octagon. That would get the people going. Do you want to hear a really novel concept though, Richard? Richard doesn't like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> really novel concept. Why don't you just let the Alabama and the Clemson bands play at halftime? Well, they do. That's the that's the whole reason. That's all that we the need to see. Show. That's the million the whole dollar reason. Band. And whatever, is it Shaking the Southland? What's the yeah, name? I don't know. Uh, what is it? That's the entire reason that you don't have a halftime show in the stadium is because they still allow the bands to perform That's all halftime. You need. So are you still on team marching band for halftime of the national championship yeah. game? Or would you like to get rid of the ridiculous idea of let's have a concert to put on TV at halftime that's off-site? I, I'm team marching band. Hey, uh, by the way, Louie says, Richard, quit calling Justin Timberlake JT. The only JT is James Taylor. What about JT, the JT show? Maybe he's James Taylor also. 
Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M-I-S-S says, as a college football purist, anything that keeps college football from being anything like the NFL is a go with me. Bands at halftime are college football. Keep halftime show off the field. Who's going to tell him the Redskins had a band? Was he a a Redskins fan? No, but Redskins they, still have a band. Yeah, yeah, they do have a band. Hail to the Redskins! The, the only thing with a fight song. Yeah. In the point though, the NFL teams don't have bands. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, they don't have marching bands. The Redskins aren't a marching band. They don't get all their halftime now. Yeah, I don't think so. Interesting. Uh, you want to be a part of the conversation? 601-879-4395. It's the C Spire text line. Is your phone a little rough around the edges? Finally, there's a place you can trust for all your phone repairs, and that's C Spire. C Spire stores from Brandon to Tupelo are now certified phone repair centers. They can fix any problem on any device from any carrier, and in most cases, while you wait. Stop by today. C Spire. Customer inspired. This... I was um, perusing Twitter earlier today, and uh, there's somebody that was a golf person on Twitter that I follow who was floating the idea of if you could go back and change the final round or the final few holes of a major, what would it be? And they they came up with some interesting suggestions, open championships and others. And I thought, well, oh, that's a neat conversation has absolutely no bearing on Sports Talk Mississippi. However, I think there's an offshoot that works here. But then? If you could change the outcome of one game for the team that you follow in the last 20 years, what would it be? What would the outcome of that change lead to for your team? So this doesn't have to be an Ole Miss or a Mississippi State or a Southern Miss thing, or if you're an Alabama fan, it doesn't have to be an Alabama thing. It could be that you're a Saints fan, and there's one game. I think I might know what it is, maybe, if you're a Saints fan, where you would change the outcome pretty recently. Not too recently. A couple years ago against the Vikings? That's not the one I would change. Not the one you would change. Although that's a good one. That's not the one I would change. Okay. So... I put a 20-year time limit on it, so that takes you back to 1998. So 98 moving forward, if you could change one outcome for your team in a game in the last 20 years, what would it be? 601-879-4395 for the C Spire text line or Sports Talk M-I-S-S on Twitter. You want to start or you want me to? You go ahead. You start. For, for me, there, there are two that you can point to, but I think there's one that you would go to. I, I think the, well, maybe three. I, I think the one that I would change would be the end of the 2003 Ole Miss LSU game. Eli Manning is a senior at quarterback, an insane atmosphere, all the cool stuff that went along with that, and you have Eli's foot get stepped on, uh, game ends. Uh, you had 
two missed field goals by the Lou Groza Award winner in that game. And if Ole Miss wins that game, they likely go into the SEC championship game. They would have played Georgia, who they were a good bit better than. That was not, 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 not Georgia. That's not Georgia today. Yeah. And if they win that game against Georgia, there's a really good chance that they go on and play in a national championship game. So I think that's the game that I would change. The other one that you might point to more recently would be Arkansas 4th and 25. Yeah. The problem with changing that one is I'm not sure that – I mean, what, what does it lead you to? It leads you to Atlanta for the SEC championship game. Who would Ole Miss have played that year? Was that 15? They would have played uh, Florida, a, a, not, a fourth team that had beaten them earlier in the year. Oh, yeah. But that was a different Florida team because Will Greer had been suspended. Yeah, Will, Will Greer was so no you, you probably win that game, win the championship, and go to the playoffs. And go to the college football playoff. Yeah. So would you rather have played for a national championship in the BCS era? Who who won the national championship? Did LSU? LSU. They went on to win. Yeah, they went on. They the, went undefeated. Yeah, and beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma in the national championship. Oklahoma game. that did not going all the way back did not win its conference championship game. How about that? Yeah, but they had been number one all year, so they just sort of got grandfathered in. So so that those are probably the two that I would pick from, and maybe a sentimental pick would be the Auburn game where Laquan Treadwell gets hurt. All right. Yeah, that that might be a sentimental pick for uh, for some. All right. What have you got? I got three from three different teams. Okay. All right, for state. Well, you got to narrow it down to one, though. I mean, 03 is the one I would go with. Okay. For me, I would go with this one, 2014 against Alabama. State wins that game. They win the SEC West. Even was though that, that we believe? No, no, that was number one in the nation, Mississippi oh, State okay. going to gotcha, Alabama. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And state, 14. state wins that game. It clinches the West, and they're going to the playoff. They could still lose the Egg Bowl, and it – it would have been so funny to go into Oxford and just be like, eh, don't really care about this game. It would have driven the Ole Miss fans crazy. Ah, we don't care. We win, Except lose. that's not how Mississippi State But that's the, that that's how I would have rolled into that game. Just like, ah, no pressure. We've, we're already in. Uh, but, yeah, that's the one to pick. My other two, my runner-up, for the Saints, 2013, they lose to the 49ers in the NFC uh, divisional round, a game that they were behind, they were behind, they were behind. They finally got the lead. And the 49ers made a couple of crazy plays there. If they had won that game, they would have hosted the Giants, who they had beaten by 30 earlier in the regular season for the NFC Championship. So they probably would have gone on to the Super Bowl. And then this might surprise you, but the 2016 Game 4 of the NLDS, Giants were up 5-2 going into the top of the ninth, gave up four runs in the uh, the bottom of the, of the top of the ninth, and then the uh, Cubs brought in Aroldis Chapman and sealed it up. And uh, they went on to win the World Series. If the Giants had won that game, it would have forced Game 5 in Chicago, where it would have been Johnny Cueto starting for the Giants with Bumgarner in the bullpen ready to go. I had no doubt that if they got to Game 5, the Giants were going to win that series. Hmm. And that would hurt a little bit more because my wife is a Cubs fan. I I actually might have one submission. I kind of stuck college football. If you went back to Ole Miss, Texas, Super Regional in Oxford, and that son of a... Gun Drew Stubbs laying out in right center field, robbing what would have been like a bases clearing double. Ole Miss probably beats Texas. Augie Garrido gets to the College World Series, says Ole Miss is the best team we played all season long. Texas goes on to win the College World Series. There was a lot of there was a lot of if, and you would have to have accomplished afterward uh, for for that to uh, become reality. What you got, Rippy? I'm really struggling to come up with a team one per se. I swear this isn't recency bias, but it's. If Brooks Kepka hadn't won the PGA this year, that probably would have capped the greatest individual comeback in history with Tiger. That would have been amazing. It would have and been like really I good. was, I was 
in my apartment in Ohio, like I like jumping up and down like at the TV, like every time he hit a shot. Like I, I've never been like that, like captivated by something in a while, and then it was just so anticlimactic. So I would probably change that. How old were you when the Titans played in the Super Bowl? I see that was my other one, but I was like four, yeah, so I knew or five, I guess. So I knew it was, foot and a half short. Yeah, yeah, I knew what was going on and I knew what happened, but like at five years old, You're, would your dad pick that? No, because my. My dad's a Giants fan. Oh, okay. So he wouldn't have picked that. Like, that was the one I had on the back burner. But, like, five year old me was probably more upset about, like, food or something. Like, if, if you're a lifelong Patriots fan, is the, the Tyree catch in the Super Bowl yeah. that ultimately cost you that's got to be the one perfection? Right? Yeah. The one that you change? Yeah, you got to. Here, here's some of what uh, you say on the Ceasefire text line. Arkansas Ole Miss 2015. Corey in Cleveland says winning a third consecutive game against Alabama. You're up big in that game, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Mississippi State, Alabama 2014. That's, That's Max from West Point. Um, somebody here said, dude, get out of my head. Richard, you said both of mine. He said, I'll go with Laquan getting his ankle broken and fumbling. Uh, Brian. And Clarksdale says, Arkansas baseball, catch the foul ball last year. I mean, brutal. I certainly get that. That's a brutal one if you're an Arkansas fan. Corey and Cleveland says 10 cup. <laughs> Is Alabama, it's got, Alabama's got to be the kick six, right? Uh, I guess so. I mean, either that or losing to Clemson in the 16. I, I bet Alabama fans would take the kick six back before they would take the loss to Clemson. I'm surprised there aren't from the, then there may be, I haven't looked at all of them, but the, any one of the 06 or 09 Super Regional games from Ole Miss people, just like the Miami or the Virginia. Yeah. Changing. But I guess I'm going back to 05 with that, that Texas one. Oh, no, that's and a good one, too, but you just had like two more after I guess I should game. mention for Mississippi State, they were a they lost on a buzzer beater in a national championship game last year with the women's basketball team. So that might be one that people want to talk about. I mean, yeah. that, that's as close as you can get without getting it. College World Series State-UCLA Game 1. They still had to win another game to win the national title. Though. They did. But to get, if they had won game one, it might have been different. Because if you go to game three, you can probably go back to Kendall Graveman. On, and on, maybe you get into that UCLA bullpen. Yeah, you they have to go a little bit, bit deeper in, yeah. the, uh, in the pitching staff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the day Memphis signed Derrick Rose. That's funny. Stefan Diggs, miracle catch last year. Malcolm Butler pick. Marshawn Lynch snub. Um... 1998 SEC championship game. What do you not want the? Uh, you don't want the peerless price punt return. It, w- it was fun, but I mean that team. That SEC, that, w- that team was only would have gone nine and three. They'd have gone to the Sugar Bowl. It'd been great, but talking about playing in the playoff, I have to pick that. How about Bradley and Marietta? The bogus infield fly Braves Cardinals That's 2012 wild card game. A lot of good submissions. We'll uh, we'll get to a few Keep more coming. of those. This is an interesting topic. Steve says Mississippi State, Maine. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. What we're gonna do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Submissions are good. Lots and lots of submissions to the if you could change one play or one sequence of events 
for the team that you follow in the last 20 years, what would you change that could, uh, and then what would the results be? Uh, a bunch of you have texted your submission or your, your thoughts in. Um, some of you have tweeted them as well. Keith gave us three. He gave us one per sport. He's an Ole Miss fan. For football, he says Ole Miss LSU 03. For basketball, which I can't believe you didn't bring this up, he says Valpo. As big a basketball fan as you are. Yeah, you know, the, the thing about the loss to Valpo, beyond the fact that you still watch that highlight every you single year. You see it every March, yeah. Is how the bracket set up for Ole Miss going forward. Yeah, they, they would have easily been in the second weekend and then probably had a great chance in the Final Four. Yes, and that was a really talented Ole Miss basketball team. This, this may hurt some of your feelings, but I'm going to tell you, when that ball went in, you would have thought Mississippi State had won the national title in my house. We were running around and hooping and hollering like you have never seen. That really is up there with, like, what? It's like the Leitner shots. David, yeah, the, uh, the NC State shot. Yeah, the, I mean, with that, Jimmy v. you you, you are like going to see it every, every in March. You're going to see it every March. Yeah. Uh, and then for baseball, he had the Ole Miss-Texas Super Regional. Chase Haney on Twitter says, um, Ole Miss-Tennessee Tech Regional. What would Ole Miss have done if they had won the regional last year? They get Texas... <laughs> In Oxford. Oxford. In Oxford, yeah. Um, probably probably going to the World Series at that point. Yeah, Texas is pretty good. Texas, did they make the World Series? They didn't, did they? Yeah, they beat Tennessee Tech to get to the World Series. Oh, that's Series. right. Okay, then, yeah. yeah. Um, our friend our friend Luke Johnson, not a game, but he just wants to redo the hiring of Ellis Johnson. Look, you want to redo one thing in the last 20 years. That's the one. I get that, it. Uh, I get it. That, that makes as much sense as any. I I, I was I was thinking about what you were asking earlier. I didn't get like a like a chance to watch a ton of that regional last year, but like didn't I got the sense that Ole Miss until that day was rolling through it, essentially. Yeah. So I was only there for Monday because I was in Conway, South Carolina, doing a regional there, and kind of followed along. I think they were so so in their opening game. And then just got, you know, Tennessee Tech had to beat them twice and just absolutely skull-dragged them in the first game. Yeah. And the second game, was the the environment was so weird. I mean, it was so tense. And then you got to, what, the sixth inning, I guess it was, where Ole Miss scored a couple of runs but had the bases loaded or a couple of men in scoring position with either nobody out or one out and didn't add on. See, I do remember that. And my goodness, the the – the nervous energy inside the stadium at that point was. Ooh. That's one of those things. <laughs> Not good. It transfers to the team. Oh, they, yeah. They feel it, you know. Yeah. Um, a couple of these were uh, baseball related. Moises Alou, fan interference. That's a good one. Brooks Conrad game is a good one. That's up there for me. Just, I'm not even a Braves fan, but like, that's brutal. Yeah. Louis suggests he would like to. Have a redo on the Laramie Tunsil gas mask incident. How do you change the outcome of that? <laughs> well, you you tell you go back to the moment where he was filmed, and and somebody with some common sense says maybe you Whoa, shouldn't do this. It's a really bad idea for that like, camera to be going. Like right let's now. just everything else is cool, but let's just turn the camera off. <laughs> you know, 
This is going way back. Reggie Bush doesn't point at Erlacher Turn while the running game. to the end zone in Turn the, the whole 06 game. NFC Championship game. Saints had all the momentum, but he decided to taunt the best the best defensive player in football, and it sort of went downhill from there. Does Peyton Manning get his Super Bowl if they're playing the Saints that year? No. That Saints team would have beaten him. I think I would agree with that, too. Bree- Breeze would have beaten him. Greg Grossman had no chance. Um. Tim and McGee says this is longer than 20 years ago, but he wishes Walter Payton would have scored when the Bears won the 85 Super Bowl. That's always so dumb to me, how he didn't get a touchdown. Refrigerator Perry got a touchdown. Yeah. But at least, Tim, if you were a Bears fan, you won the game. Yeah. Now, maybe if you were just a Walter Payton fan, um, you know, because he was from Mississippi or, or for whatever the reason, uh, maybe that changed it for you. Some uh, some really interesting thoughts. I there. try to come up with a Lakers one for my other my last team, but nothing's just standing out to me. The Lake Show. They yeah, had many heartbreaking defeats. Well, not a, yeah, but you know, there's been some. There's been some. Uh, the game that stands out to me, I think it's it would have been Game Four in L.A. in 2008. The Lakers were up big, and the Celtics went on some huge run, and uh, ended up winning the game. So it went back to Boston three two instead of three two Boston instead of three two L.A. Hmm. And then it just sort of went from there, and Game Six was a no-show for the Lakers. Simply for being alive for it purposes in an NBA one, if Draymond Green doesn't get that technical, they're probably on the verge of five straight titles, they which might is be, the yeah. greatest modern run in sports ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peyton Manning not choosing Ole Miss. I mean, it's kind of taking this to a different level altogether. Not taking a uh, a scenario in a specific game. All right, we spent some time yesterday uh, talking about playoff expansion and all that goes along with that. Uh, it was kind of um, that whole discussion yesterday was triggered by Nicole Auerbach's story at The Athletic saying that some of the big players in college football are actually talking about this now, that it could become a real thing. Well, now um, some of the opposition or at least some of the roadblocks are being talked about and are being written about, including a story by Jeff Schultz, formerly of the AJC. He is now with The Athletic. Uh, covers Georgia, he says, let's start with the math because in the end that's really how all decisions in business are made. This includes college administrators who dispense wonderful sound bites about amateurism and academic priorities only to turn around and pay a football coach $7 million, spend $30 million on an indoor practice facility, play a 12th game for the home gate against a directional hyphenated school you couldn't place on a map, and sign TV contracts to play on Thursday nights. Academics be damned. It's a pretty good lead. Yeah. The math. If enough billions of dollars are on the table, college presidents and athletics directors will likely sell another little piece of their souls and the college football playoff will expand to eight teams, but it could be a long way from happening. Greg McGarrity, the athletics director at Georgia, says if it means the elimination of the SEC championship game or other conference championship games, I'm against expansion. He had a quote from uh, Greg Sankey yesterday where he basically bragged on the SEC championship game as being the standard, uh, the standard by which all other championship games are measured, are modeled. They've all been financially successful because of the TV deals. Um, not everybody attends the championship game the way the SEC does, but a lot do. And that's not the SEC's fault. No, it's not. That's the other conference's fault. So Greg McGarity, an idiot Georgia, says, look, we're not eliminating the championship game. Uh, Stuart Mandel at The Athletic wrote a piece where he outlined some of the obstacles to moving to eight teams. And he gets to that. He says, chief among them, uh, in, from an obstacle standpoint, he says the SEC. Seems the tables have flipped since the days of BCS angst 
As early as 04, Mike Sly was beating the drum for a four-team playoff, only to be met with apathy from the Big Ten, Big East, and Pac-12. Took another eight years of leadership changes and shifting sentiments before a consensus could finally be reached. Now the Big Ten, Big 12, and perhaps, and perhaps the Pac-12 seem more likely to favor expansion, but the SEC is happy where it is. Roadblock number two, ESPN. There's been a widely held presumption that an expanded playoff would lead to oodles and oodles of more money for the participants, but nobody knows whether that's actually the case. And in fact, I've been told in the past that executives in Bristol don't favor a bigger playoff. They've already invested $3 billion, with a B, dollars into the current model. They've spent billions more on top of that on their various regular season packages. Does the added value of four more playoff games outweigh the potential lessened interest in hundreds of other games they show throughout the year? Okay, there's a flaw in that sentence. It doesn't lessen the interest of the other hundreds of games they show throughout the year. It just doesn't. Correct. I, I'm, I will beat that drum until I die or the system changes. It doesn't lessen the impact. Obstacle number three, university presidents. During the seemingly decades of oppositions to what would become the CFP, the presidents were always seen as a chief deterrent. They eventually rubber-stamped the four-team model devised by the commissioners, though Chancellor at uh, Nebraska, Harvey Perlman, was a vocal opponent until the day he finally signed off on it. The prospect of a guaranteed access for a group of five champion would be well-received among those 65 group of five presidents, presumably. The Bowls, another obstacle. He says, suffice to say, the major bowl games would be the biggest losers in an expanded playoff. The Rose, Sugar, etc. would continue their rotation, hosting the semifinals. Their matchups in other years would be greatly diminished. Instead of number 6 Ohio State versus number 9 Washington, this year's Rose Bowl would likely be number 12 Penn State against number 13 Washington State. The Sugar would get 9-3 and three Florida instead of 11-2 and two Georgia. Bowl executives and ugly blazers have spent decades whining and dining commissioners and ADs, et cetera, et cetera. This is dumb, too, though. Is a huge difference between Penn State and Washington State versus Ohio State and Washington State? Yeah, it doesn't sound like an awful British Bowl. Those are fine games. I agree. Oh, no, the sure gets Florida. That's not a fan base that travels. How about this? He says, come on. Opposition point number five, the NCAA. And then he goes, "Uh, just kidding. The NCAA holds virtually no authority over college football. If they decide to go to eight teams, I assume they'll send a letter to Indianapolis letting them know. Hey, this is what we're doing. Cool, guys. Cool, bro. Yeah. Uh, does this affect our $770 million basketball check? It no? Okay, we're good. We're good. Thanks. You, you boys carry on. So it's not a slam dunk, and it's probably not going to happen next year. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. This afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Will, we wish you a uh, happy honeymoon. Thank you. 
You're, you're leaving tomorrow and coming back a week from now, right? Uh, yeah, something like that. I think I'm back on the 26th. After Christmas? Are you going to be gone on for, on your honeymoon for Christmas? Yes. How about that? No Is that by design? Gifts. Looking forward to it. Well, I mean, all the money you saved not knowing where you were going to go on your honeymoon, you could still do a gift if you wanted. Here at Grab Bag Travel Agency. <laughs> Christmas in the Caribbean has a nice ring to it. It's uh, more like Christmas in Cancun. Who's to say? Yeah, yeah. Feliz Navidad and whatnot. Perhaps. We don't know what language they speak wherever he's going. We don't know where he's going. Yeah. Uh, so uh, all the best, man. Have, uh, have a good trip. That'll be, uh, be a lot of fun. So who's producing tomorrow? Uh, I think we got captain tomorrow. Oh, the captain's in. All right. Now we're talking. Well, I don't know what you're talking into, but apparently it's not the microphone because we can't hear you. Oh, I said the captain. Ah, yeah, we got the captain. That's it. I mean, turning, going into the Wayback Machine. I like it. The, uh, the original producer for this show. That'll be fun. Look forward to uh, that with you tomorrow. Rippy, you look like you had something you wanted to say. Oh, no. I'm good. Okay. Uh, okay. So you had the Dolphins crazy come from behind win. Yeah against the Patriots, and not everybody stayed until the very end. The, there's a great, good article here. Uh, the oral It's an oral history, which it makes it funny, okay. uh, of the, the Yale family, who's the dad in, in one of the all-time dad moves, decides, let's leave early so we can beat the traffic, and misses one of the most incredible plays in NFL history. And get how how to his many son. crazy game-ending stories are there that, well, we want to beat the traffic? There's probably a few. Probably There's a few. people beating on the door when Ray Allen hit that shot in the final. Yeah. He always comes up to me. They yeah. left after game six, and then he hits the shot, and they're trying to get trying back Trying to get in. back in. And you don't deserve to get back in at that point. Yeah. So, you uh, ever leave one early? Yeah, but it wasn't my choice. Uh, it, oh, really? As a general rule, I don't leave games early. Mm-hmm. Um, the only dramatic ending that I can remember that I missed because of leaving a game early, the 1992 Egg Bowl in Oxford, <laughs> it was freezing. Freezing cold, yeah. I heard and I was twelve, uh, and I don't think my dad was layered up properly. And uh, halftime or early third quarter, he's like, "Come on, let's go." Oh, you missed that. I was like, "Okay." So we went home and sat on the couch and nice. probably had popcorn and hot chocolate or something like that and watched it. Yeah. And it was pretty cool watching it unfold, and it wasn't until... That's not the word I would use, but okay. Well, I mean, yeah, probably not. You know, it, was, it wasn't until a couple of years later where I'm like, wait, we left that game early? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you doing? It wasn't that cold. I don't have one off the top of my head when we were trying to think of this earlier, but I have one that's kind of the opposite, that's actually kind of wild. So the Ole Miss-Arkansas game, uh, 0-1, that was seven overtimes. Yeah. yeah. About... I would say an hour and ten minutes for a kickoff. My dad, like I'm six, I guess at this time, six, maybe seven. I, um, and my about an hour for a kickoff. My dad grabs me to like walk to the stadium, and I was drinking a Coke in the Grove, and there was a uh, a bee inside my Coke. I drank it and I swallowed it, and it crawled down and stung me on my tonsils. Oh my god! Inside my throat, and so they like doused me with a bunch of Benadryl to like keep my throat from like swelling and closing up. Um, so they figured I'd be out in like the first quarter, but I was up for all seven overtimes at the ripe age of six with a dangerous amount of Benadryl in me. <laughs> they, did they take you on to the game? Yeah, no, or, I didn't miss a play. 
That is fantastic. Really? So the friend was staying at the alumni house. So they there. loaded you down with Benadryl and just dragged you into the stadium. He'll be fine. Yes. Thinking, Not loaded thinking, you down with Benadryl and said, we got to go to the emergency room. No, thinking any second that I would just, like, nap on the bleachers or whatever. But no. I was awake. Seven overtimes. That's, that's, I'm, impre- I'm proud of you. As a six-year-old. Yeah. That was a long game. You ever leave one early? I left the 07 Egg Bowl early. State was down 14 nothing to Ole Miss and had done nothing all day. And I was sitting next to this. Was like, that the two- kick? That's that's uh, Pegues takes the punt back and uh, Orgeron goes for it on fourth and one. Yeah, and I was sitting next to this Ole Miss fan and he was he looked a lot like like you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I had had enough and I live at that time. I lived five minutes from the stadium, so I mean, getting into my car, there was no traffic. Obviously, everybody's at the game, and I uh, got home, turned it on TV, and then it all happened. And my phone starts blowing up with "You idiot!" So hmm. I feel I've always said. If I had stayed, they would have. They would not have come back. From uh, from uh, Brandon Marcello covers Auburn. Gus Malzahn, my contract has not changed one bit. I was never told I needed to change my contract to keep my job. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Glad they're on the same page there. We'll circle back to that story with you tomorrow when we continue in the Renaissance Bank Studio in 21 hours. For Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, our man Will East. I'm Richard Cross. Have a great Thursday night. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.